Bet365 sponsors StarCast. And with over 45 million members, they're the world's favorite online betting company. Did you know you can create personalized bets? So if you fancy Gladbach to clinch the last Champions League place ahead of Leverkusen next week, or Werder Bremen to edge ahead of Dusseldorf in the battle to stay up, Bet365's Bet Builder lets you create personalized bets and calculate the odds for any football match. Right there in your hands. Bet365 is the world's favorite online sport betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play and Apple App Store. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. Stahlkast, the German football pod brought to you by The Athletic. In today's bonus edition, we ask, is the Bundesliga really broken? And if so, how can we glue it back together again without making an even bigger mess? How long will supporters enjoy playing a Monopoly game with Bayern Munich of all the orange, red and yellow sets, including hotels, and it's just a question of when they'll win? Can outside investment pave the way to a more competitive future, or do we need to shrink the league to make it super again, Ant-Man style? Joining me to discuss these grave matters are Christoph Biermann and special guest Musa Okwonga. Gents, welcome. Christoph, I'll start with you. Does the Bundesliga need saving? And if yes, how are we going to save it? Yes, it needs saving. And I think it's something we have to discuss deeply what the solution could be, because I think the problem is very complex. And But the overall issue is, um, I think, the distribution of money, because um, obviously some of the clubs have too much of it and uh, some of them not enough. As someone who hails from Munich, I, I would say you can never have too much money. Uh, that's personally my, my personal view, but I understand what you're saying. Um, there is, I think, definitely scope for splitting the TV money more equitably. Um, the Premier League does it in a ratio about 1 to 1.5, meaning that the first place team only has 1.5 times more money from TV international and domestic markets than the last place team. In Germany, it's more like 1 to 4, which if you consider that the the overall sum, the pot, is smaller to begin with, does make for a huge gap. So the question is here, if we want to stay with TV money for the, for the time being, is there a way of raising the income or will we just have to find better ways of splitting it up? Because so far the indications are that TV money is going to be static rather than rising in, in, future, in future years. Musa, what do you think? Well, it's interesting. I think the first thing that can obviously be addressed is the ratio of the TV money split. That seems like a, a clear place to look. I also think, you know, having been in Germany for six years, I think that this is obviously a problem with the long term. This is a long term problem, right? The kind of the financial inequality, which is seen Bayern win so often. And, you know, Bayern, I, I hesitate to punish a club for being well run and Bayern is extremely well run. So my first instinct would be to look for alternate solutions. Having been in Germany for six years, as I say, I'm amazed by how much Germany undersells itself as a country. Um, it's really striking how little they maximize their commercial potential uh, in terms of football. You know, having worked with the Bundesliga and talked to them about the kinds of markets they can expand into, you look at a club like Gladbach, for example, and they're like vastly undersold. Like the excitement of the matchday experience, I think is heavily undersold. I'm not trying to criticize, you know, people I've worked with in terms of the Bundesliga. I'm just saying that I think sometimes Germans don't understand just what the value of their club, you know, does that make sense? 
So I think the brand, I think, I think the German football brand has still not been maximized. And that's where they should look primarily to address that imbalance, I think. I find that interesting. And if I may ask you, yeah. what, what would you do? Because we, we as Germans, I mean, uh, <laughs> it's difficult to say about ourselves, oh, we are so much better than we appear football wise. So, so what would you do? How, how would you sell the German uh, football better to the world well look i mean i just did an advert for the bundesliga for the us right and so my first thing would be get non-germans to help you because sometimes people looking from the outside are better at emphasizing things that germans themselves are reluctant to emphasize that sounds like a really obvious point but i think it's a big deal look how quickly dortmund's external visibility grew in just a decade like in 15 years it was absolutely huge look at Wolfsburg Frauen for example one of the best football clubs in the world men or women and look how undersold it is Wolfsburg's one of the best clubs in the whole of the world right look at their social media engagement it's way way down so I think you start there so look, my first instinct is not to penalize Bayern it's to grow the overall commercial pie and if you look at the markets Germany's trying to grow in which are primarily China and the US that is huge untapped potential It's huge. I mean, personally, I'm being a cynical here. I would have done everything in my power if I, if I were Dortmund to keep Christian Pulisic at Borussia Dortmund because, frankly, Pulisic's value now, if you look at the kind of, you know, Rafa's article in uh, The Athletic about how clubs and superstars are so important, basically, they just got rid of one of the greatest superstars of this generation to Chelsea. Like, he shouldn't be at Chelsea. He should still be at Dortmund, in my opinion. The good thing is they've got Gio Reyna, And I think if you look at Gio Reyna's career over the next 10, 15 years, there's a real opportunity there to maximize his commercial value, Dortmund's commercial value, to the benefit of the entire Bundesliga. It's interesting what you're saying, Musa, and I agree with, with everything. The question is, is it enough, even if they were to sell themselves better? And right. uh, of course, some of the stadium atmosphere perhaps doesn't really translate as easily or as relevantly to the viewers at home. You're still left with the casual viewer saying, well, why should I watch this? Because Bayern will win at the end. And uh, this, is all, this is all meaningless if there's no title race. Or can that be offset by, as you said, more brands and more stars? That, but we need to somehow produce them as well. And we need somehow to find ways of keeping a Christian Pulisic. I mean, I, I think it's... It's right to say that Dortmund should have kept him, but actually they were very happy to sell him for the money they did. And inevitably, I think there was always a kind of agreement or an assumption or an understanding, as it does exist with Jadon Sancho, even though no one perhaps has put it in writing, that he will eventually leave to the Premier League. Um, and that's perhaps one of the reasons why Dortmund got him to begin with, because they kind of um, make this path obvious i would say you know in, in a way that perhaps other clubs wouldn't um so how can how can we how can we bridge that gap you know between being authentic and and sort of maxing out what the league does well but at the same time trying to be more more glamorous and and yeah producing more stars and more brands that will engage global eyeballs well it's interesting so there's obviously not one solution to this i think one is obviously maximizing trying to grow the pie the thing that struck me since arriving in germany is the quality of the coaching and the way in which brilliant young coaching talent is fast-tracked so i think there's an opportunity there if you look at one way to equalize the league it's to really just incentivize and encourage coaches it's also i think i mean i know you mentioned the idea of maybe perhaps contracting the bundesliga I would almost hesitate there only because I think that those extra clubs make the Bundesliga special, right? So rather than 
and do, to be fair to you in the article, you call it the nuclear option. I would perhaps suggest um, a development fund for young players. Um, so let's say that there's a, a percentage, let's say that you've got the TV rights every year, maybe take a slice of that and put that into funding players and coaches low down the pyramid. Because if there's one thing we've shown with the Bundesliga, it's that clubs with smaller resources can achieve extraordinary things. And if you look at the title race this year, it's interesting because look how good Gladbach were until about a month after Christmas, that they were in the race. So you could argue actually that a world-coached club with fewer resources than let's say the top two teams can still contend if given slightly more. So we're never going to get, we're never going to get a club as rich as Bayern in the Bundesliga. They're just too well supported globally for that. But what you can do with better grassroots funding and better young players being developed through the system, maybe like year by year, you can have individual challenges to Bayern. So it won't, it might be Gladbach one year, it might be Wolfsburg the next year, it might be someone else next. And don't forget as well, there's a lot of clubs in the Bundesliga that actually, they're not maximizing their own resources. Definitely Wolfsburg don't maximize their resources considering what they've got. So, so I think it's almost, it's galvanizing the sleeping giants as well in the Bundesliga. In the end, it won't close the enormous gap that there is between the top team and the or the top two teams and and the rest and because where does it lead to when you are super rich as a football club and richer than your competitors you can make a lot of mistakes and Bayern did make mistakes in signing Kovac for example and they got away with this this season uh, yeah. because they found another coach who, who who was able to let the potential free in Hansi Flick so they also did a, a lot of other mistakes uh, uh, over the years if you are competing with them you can't afford to make uh, mistakes and that's also a big problem when the gap between the clubs is uh, so big so I think you're right with what you're saying I, I think there should be more teams who are who maybe a adapt a more uh, a braver strategy um, more innovative maybe going more for younger uh, players as Dortmund is doing actually or as um, Leipzig is doing but in the end we, we, we still have this elephant in the room and the, the elephant in the room is that Bayern Munich has uh, three times as much revenue as Borussia Mönchengladbach and Borussia Mönchengladbach are fourth in the table we are not talking about Mainz or, Uni or Union Berlin so I think the solution has to do also with the distribution of money. Here's the well, thing though, sorry yeah, to jump in on. there. This is the challenge I have and it's an ethical thing really. How do you get a club that has acquired that wealth, you know, through being well run to redistribute its money? D does that make sense? That's, that's, always, that's, that's the primary question I think for me. No, you can't do that, I think. What you can, right. what you can do is redistribute your, your collective income slightly differently. Right. The yeah. question is, is it enough though? Because I don't think the Bundesliga has enough money. Of course, you should distribute the money more equitably. I mean, it, it cannot be right that Paderborn get 30 million euros and Bayern get 112. And perhaps there's a question of turning this whole distribution system on its head and say, you know what, if Bayern, if you're winning, you make do with 30 million next year and we give Paderborn 112. The unintended consequence of that is, of course, that it might actually pay more to be bad, uh, at least in the short run. The, the problem that I have and 
this is besides the point that money should be distributed more equitably. I think um, that has to be done, especially when it comes to the international TV money, which I was shocked to find that out of the 250 million or so that the league are receiving, 45, nearly a fifth go to Bayern and as little as three go to a team like Paderborn because they have no European pedigree, which surely cannot be right. But even if we write that wrong, and say, okay, the 250 million euros, as the Premier League does, will give everyone 20 million or so, give or take, or 15 million euros or so, give or take. It's not going to make up the gap. And we get to the point, I think, Christoph, correct me if I'm wrong, where the money has to come from somewhere else. If we can't take it away from Bayern, if we can't redistribute the money that we have enough to make a real difference because Bayern still have the extra commercial income that dwarfs everything else, up to 200 million euros just from sponsorship and marketing, then external sources of revenue have to come in, no? Before I answer to that, if we see the international revenues as, as one of the big problems, and you see it also in Italy, you see it in Spain, you see it in Portugal, you see it in France and, and so on. And also in some of the smaller nations where that have regular participants in the Champions League, where the uh, competition is also broken or distorted or however you want, want to call it. Maybe we have to talk first about is there something we we should do about this and is that probably now the right uh, situation to do it as we are in a in a deep crisis and find other solutions to not only redistribute money but also to lower wages or or lower uh, stuff there where money is going out of the clubs and I think we should do that uh, first before we discuss if we, and that's what uh, was your question for, if we uh, in Germany decide to have uh, external investors or abandon 50 plus one. So, and that means that a club can be bought from a company or from a private person. That is not possible right now. Uh, just a word on, on the Champions League money, which um, you just mentioned. I think there it's going to be very difficult because the clubs understand the value of these games. If the money doesn't come from UEFA, they'll just go it alone. And I think as much as it would be beneficial for UEFA to say, you know what, instead of dishing out 80 million euros next year to Bayern will only give them 60 and 20 goes back into a pot for the whole league. I think the clubs, if that was, you know, being replicated across uh, the big teams, the clubs would quickly say, you know what, why? I mean, people are paying this money to watch us. Why should the money go back to the other teams? Let's just go it alone. We don't need UEFA if they're going to take all this money. Yeah, but, but, but I would disagree here because I think that's the that's what they are saying for thirty years now, more than thirty years. The foundation of the of the uh, Champions League was a result of of clubs threatening to found their own competition, and I was always wondering why the UEFA, for example, was so tame and uh, lame 
and and said uh, because they are running football and if you would like to do your own thing you 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 can't do it or you couldn't do it within within uh, the framework of international football then you then you had to found an external league and then you had to to establish a, a whole new system for for football i'm always surprised to see that they Uh, went away with it uh, so easily for, yes, uh, no, no more than uh, three de uh, decades. I think the UEFA Champions League actually is the trailer for the Super League. I think we could, I think we might see a breakaway sooner than we think. If you look at the inequality and the cultural capital of all these leading clubs and the fact that the, the Champions League has basically become, if you look at the World Cup, for example, there was a time in the World Cup, actually, in terms of footballing quality, you could argue at the very, very top, the World Cup was not that dissimilar from the Champions League or the European Cup, the knockout. But now you've consolidated, you know, there was a time when to be the greatest football of all time, you had to win the World Cup. But now the elite competition is universally acknowledged to be the Champions League. I don't think that was always the case. And now, if you think about it, it wouldn't be that difficult logistically for those big clubs to break away. Like, I don't think it would be, a, I think we're, I think yeah, we're I likely agree. to see. Yeah, but, but they are not stupid. I mean, if you imagine the Super League, imagine right. that Manchester United and Bayern Munich and Real Madrid, all the big names. And on right. the 14th round of the uh, Super League, 11th placed Benfica Lissabon plays, 9th place Barcelona. If you do it like this, it's it's not as thrilling as you think, and I think it's only thrilling in the in the combination with with national and international football. No, I, I and, agree, and, and so yeah. they they yeah. and that's the reason why they never did it in the end because they know it because they are not stupid because it would would destroy more than they would gain. I agree with you. But we're not the target market for this. I think the younger generation will see it more like the NBA. That, that's the thing I have. That's the concern I have. If you have a kind of like 16 teams that have a huge brand recognition and they go off and do like knockout and playoffs and like, you know, let's say Benfica play Barcelona in a one-off game in, in Benfica or in Prague, like you'll get a lot of eyeballs on that. And if you max, if you basically like stack those teams with talent, so the top 16 clubs in the world have all the key talent. I hate to say it, but think of the social media engagement. Think of the viewers. People will watch it. Like, that's let's, the not thing. Give, let's not give yeah. those clubs an idea. Let's go back sorry, to... Sorry, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry, Rafa. <laughs> let's go back to the Bundesliga for a second. <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, I agree with Musa. I agree with Musa. I think that um, it is not difficult for the clubs to sort this out themselves, whether they play it as a league or not. doesn't really matter. What it matters is really to to form a closed system where the same teams will play each other more often than they do now because the American perspective to this is, you know, you have Real Madrid and you have Manchester City and you have Bayern Munich and they might never play each other in like three or four years time. That's crazy. And in a way, you know, if you see it as a pure entertainment product, of course it is crazy because you think, you know, put these teams up against each other. People want to watch it. But let's go back to the Bundesliga because yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think we're losing our way in the Super League for a second. Harry's sponsors Steilcast, a podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Harry's was founded by Jeff and Andy, two ordinary guys who were sick and tired of overpriced razors. Jeff and Andy knew that there was only one way to ensure quality, so they bought their own factory. 
And now, by taking less profit, Harry's offers great quality products for a fair price. Their amazing quality blades are now almost half the price of the leading five blade brands. Harry's trial set includes everything you need for a close, comfortable shave, weighted ergonomic handle, five precision engineered blades, rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. I've been lucky to receive a set recently, and I must tell you, not only does it look very cool, it's also an incredibly pleasant way to deal with three months worth of quarantine stubble. Thumbs up from me. As a listener of Starcast, you can start shaving with Harry's today by claiming your trial set for £3.95. For £3.95. Support our podcast and get your set delivered to you, including a razor handle, five blade cartridge, foaming shave gel and travel blade cover by going to harrys.com forward slash Stahlcast right now. That's harrys.com forward slash Stahlcast. Christoph, what I'm really interested in, and you, you did explain 50 plus one, how it acts as a barrier to, to outside investment and how clubs are being controlled by their members. And uh, that is traditionally how the Bundesliga is run, and that is still how the majority of clubs is being run, although the exceptions seem to be growing by the minute. What I've been finding very interesting is, and, and Musa, I want to get your perspective on this as well, in Berlin, now that this, what is it, 330 million euros, I think, that's come in from last Winter's into Hertha, I haven't seen, at least not from where I'm sitting, the kind of resistance and the kind of sort of fan activism against this takeover, which really is a takeover and all but name, that I would have expected at this point. We should just explain to the listeners oh, yeah. that. So Lars Winter is a London-based German investor. He is not taking over the club as such because that's not possible, but he's buying parts of the subsidiary company, which encompasses the professional football. So the club owns the professional football side of things, and Lars Winter is taking over that part of the corporation just investing into the professional football and that under 50 plus one rules is still allowed christoph this is very difficult to understand even for for german football fans and even for supporters of hertha bsc and i see it as an experiment will it be going towards the right direction sporting wise and as a development of the brand if if you like it had a very shaky start to be honest with um, putting in Jürgen Klinsmann as uh, uh, the coach of the team that failed completely and his uh, exit via Facebook was a one of the funny moments of last season so that <laughs> when that didn't go too well Uh, but maybe it's it's really an option for for Hertha BSC who have uh, this huge Olympic stadium with a capacity of 80,000 mm. uh, to fill it because um, Winters uh, will be able to bring stars that uh, attract people. So again, yeah, it's an, an an interesting experiment to watch, and maybe if it if it works uh, it could be a model for other clubs so i want to get your perspective on this why hasn't there been more resistance i mean yes technically it's not a takeover but really in i think in reality I mean, yeah. it is 66 is subsidiary company absolutely this is a bit like the early days when they used to have you know in the in, in the financial services sector when you've got someone who's the ultimate controller of the organization who holds control through all these different subsidiaries there's two reasons i think first because it's a financially complex deal i think secondly because herta is traditionally a bit of a sleeping giant 
in a way that Leipzig wasn't. So when Leipzig went and made that, well, you know, it was big in its area, but when, when you have Leipzig coming in and basically muscling its way right to the top table, there's a lot of resentment, understandably. When Hoffenheim come and you're like, Hoffenheim aren't a club with the kind of week in, week out support of, let's say, a Schalke, that creates resentment. But it's almost like this investment has put Hertha back where it should be. And it's funny because going, I've been to a couple of Hertha games last season and it's really interesting when you think, wow, like, I know there's a lot of other distractions in Berlin other than Hertha because Berlin is, you know, it's a town with many distractions. But at the same time, I've always felt to myself, this is a club that could be a real threat if it maximizes its commercial resources, maximizes its attraction as a place to come and play. I'm a big believer in the Bundesliga of maximizing the existing strength of clubs before going out to external investors. And I'm not saying this because I'm against money coming into the game, I'm not. I'm just saying, if you look at the experience of the ownership tests in the Premier League and the problems they've had, you know, the Premier League's big failure when they attracted external investment was not to be strict on who they brought in. And I think the 50 plus one rule was a really great, is a really great safeguard against that in German football. So I would encourage actually clubs like Hertha to maximize what they're not doing, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, but this is this is where it gets interesting because let's say Hertha will have a degree of success. Hoffenheim already have a degree of success relative to where they would be otherwise without the money from uh, Dietmar Hopp. Wolfsburg are being bankrolled to an extent by Volkswagen. Leverkusen have biopharmaceuticals behind them. So, you know, and now you have Hertha who have this hybrid model, if you will, of um, investment into the subsidiary. Aren't we kind of moving away from the 50 plus one model anyway, Christoph? Wouldn't it be more honest to say, you know what, um, it was a great idea, but unfortunately it led to a situation where only one or two, one and a half teams can win the league. We as, as Germany and as Musa said, as a country that perhaps undersells itself a little bit, why shouldn't the biggest economy in Europe make sure that as much money as possible is being spent on its football rather than artificially restricting the inflow of capital? I think it's not so much an economical but a um, cultural question. Um, I would say because we like our football um, as it is, and not everybody, but there is a, I think you mentioned the exemptions from, from the rule, but honestly, it's four or five out of 36 uh, um, or if you if you would like to put in the third division as well um, over 50 clubs so so I think it's not the a huge trend and what Hertha is doing is also within uh, the possibilities of the system so uh, that's what I why I find it um, uh, interesting I think there is a a strength in this kind of uh, conservatism and uh, restriction that gives people the the feeling that their club belongs to them to their community that it's something genuine and 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 so so on and that's not not a a commercial enterprise or um, or so and maybe if you allow me to to jump back to to this uh, super league discussion but i think because i think there is a connection to this maybe we come to a point where we say okay 
goodbye Bayern, goodbye Dortmund, goodbye somebody else, um, have fun in the Super League. And the National League, the Bundesliga, is for, for, for something else, maybe on a lower um, economic uh, level. But, but people love to see Werder Bremen, people love to see Union Berlin and Frankfurt and, and so on. And in the end, if they will be happy if they will be a German uh, champion. And maybe we have different worlds within the world of football, where we have the Hollywood system with the Barcelonas and, and, and all the others and Bayerns. And, and a kind of uh, more regionalized or national football, I think that there wouldn't be much frustration among a majority of German football fans. I think it's a possibility. Uh, however, I think to many people looking in from the outside, German football already feels like a different world in as much as <laughs> the fans don't seem to be wanting to have success as long as the club yeah, but what is success? Itself. What is success? Success means winning the Bundesliga, playing in the Champions League. Yeah, but why? Yeah. Why is that subsid? Why is that subservient? I think is the right word to to the idea that the club should still belong to yourself. I mean, non-German people have a really hard time understanding why that seems to be more important than winning and and having superstars and the best players that you can have. Yeah, but in the end, if you would allow Mainz, for example, to bring in an investor or Union Berlin or whoever, they won't be German champions in the end. The chance is very unlikely. Why Why should... Depends I, on it, how much money the investor has. Yeah, yeah. yeah but, but, but what, what is the interest of an uh, investor? I mean, if, if it is if he is doing it as a commercial enterprise he he wouldn't invest a, a billion into mines why why should he do it i think in in um when you look at at a lot of investors in the in the uk a lot of them are not doing it because they they uh, they want to earn money but they because they want to burn money and uh, okay, if we if we want want to have uh, uh, people owning our clubs because they want to burn their money, I think it's 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 completely changing what football is. And I think it's not against being successful. It's a, a completely different kind of football that we are talking about. But it's possible to have a strategic investor. Let's say FSG think that German football is undervalued. They like Berlin as a city. Mm. They think Union could have a fifty thousand seater stadium. They feel that the Bundesliga can still grow, that the revenue can go up, especially internationally. If they turn over, what, 100 million euros now, give or take? Why shouldn't they be turning over 500 million euros in a few years' time with the right investment? Berlin's actually an amazing example. So what attracts investors to these clubs is often a sense of the values and the culture. And of course, the danger of untrammeled amounts of capital, and not, your, not that you're suggesting that, is that in the process of investment, you, fund, you fundamentally alter the product you invested in. So if you look at London, for example, which has attracted so much investment in the great world cities, to a lot of people, London is now unlivable and it's lost so much of what made it attractive. And one of the things that makes Berlin still attractive despite the soaring rent prices is actually an element of control on the rent, an element of control on the amount you can spend, um, the consultation of the fans, for example, the use of the public park in Berlin was put to a referendum instead of just basically sold off to investors. So the, this is the thing actually, Rafa, because there's so much financial inequality in Berlin as a city, 
And because there's so much financial inequality in football, it's forced us to ask for the first time very deep cultural questions about what a city is for and what football is for. And this is the thing, Rafa, this is maybe the first time in modern history that we're having this sustained conversation. And, and it, I know it sounds artificial to put a limit on the amount that could be spent in football, but I don't know, I just feel like it's a conversation we have to have. Does that make sense to you? Like, and even if that means, I mean, what Christoph said about there being parallel competitions about, you know, we've already got the Europa League for some clubs, right? So we're accustomed, we're already accustomed to having different tiers of football. And I think the Hollywood blockbuster thing is a really great analogy. Some people want to watch art house movies. Some people don't want to watch Marvel, the Avengers. They're not interested. They want to watch Moonlight. They want to watch Stand By Me, you know, and... I don't know, I don't have a problem with, if those super, if, if the big clubs want to break away, I would actually say, to be honest, and I support one of the big clubs, Manchester United, so I'm not, I've got skin in the game here. I would almost say, like, good luck to them. Because ultimately those big clubs owe their prestige to the fact that they were for a very long part, part of a huge football pyramid. And ultimately, I think, if that huge football pyramid still endures, then we're always going to get exciting football or whatever level. Um, and that's not to be negative. I'm not trying to be harsh on any of these big clubs, actually. They want to go and do their thing, do their thing to an extent. But I'm really, really keen to build out the grassroots because I think that's the key to football being exciting or whatever level you watch it. Yeah, I've got, I've got no argument with what you're saying. Um, all I would say is that I'm trying to save the cinema that is the Bundesliga showing both mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, of course, Both of course. Blockbusters and art movies <laughs> yeah, in an 18, no. 18 screen venue. The yeah. question is, is it too many screens? Um, and this leads us back to a suggestion that I made in the article mm. that I wrote, which yeah, yeah. I don't think is going to favor, is going to find much support and much favor because politically it's possibly Im probably impossible. But my my take is that if you want to stop the big teams breaking away and if you want them to dominate the competition, the competition needs to be better domestically. And if we don't want to have unlimited investment, you don't want to have Saudi Arabia buying Mainz or Union Berlin, you have to find a different way of closing the gap without taking money away from Bayern and Dortmund because this is something that, Musa, you, you touched upon in the beginning. The Bundesliga actually needs those those big clubs to to drive the engagement. These are the teams, these are the, the, the players that people do watch. Without them, I think there'd be even less left. You know, if you say, were to say that we now take Bayern and, and Dortmund out of the league, I don't think that internationally that would, that would really help the Bundesliga at all. So the one way I thought we might be able to do this is to actually just say, you know what, we're going to make the Bundesliga an, a really elite competition. Move us slightly away from this sort of inclusive approach and narrow it down and say, you know what, this is just going to be the best teams. And if you're not quite the best team, if you're only the 18th or 16th or 15th best team, it's not quite good enough to play in this league. Christoph, I have a feeling you might not like this idea, but why is it you don't <laughs> like this idea? I, I would go the other direction, actually. I, I would, would open up to, tw to 20 clubs, uh, but, but anyhow. But that's even worse because then, then you just add another six points to Bayern's tally every year and they're just going <laughs> to smash, instead of Paderborn, they're just going to smash Heidenheim. Mm. 
or, what's the point? Nuremberg again. You could also argue reduce it to 12 or so. I find your idea interesting, but I didn't really get it. So what's the... Um, what, what do you win when you want, when you uh, only have 16 teams? Um, that two yeah. will go down, uh, two will come up. I mean, I said you, 14. I think 14 would be ideal because you, and, and, you want and to have... How many would go up and how many would go down? One? You could still two? make it two and two. You could still make it two and two. I think yeah, but, you, but win, always, you win you two... Excuse me, but you're always creating this world of commuters between the uh, the Bundesliga and, and the second Bundesliga. Like Bielefeld, who came up now after many years, and uh, Fortuna Düsseldorf, and, and Cologne, who, who went up and down, and Freiburg, who went up and down. And interestingly, Augsburg um, is, is there for the 10th uh, season now. But, 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 but anyhow, I wouldn't... wouldn't wouldn't really see what what you're gaining with it yeah i mean it would become slightly more um the dynamic would be slightly more like the premier league in the championship where you'd have a lot of championship clubs chasing promotion because promotion is an instant huge paycheck by cutting it down to 14 you would increase the paycheck by by a lot um i mean by my numbers you'd be able to pay 35% more to teams. And that's with keeping the top at the same. So you wouldn't give more more money to Bayern, but the money that you don't have to share with the four teams that are no longer there, that can be shared among, um, of course, the 14 teams. And it would bump, it would bump the average um, take to about 80 million euros from, from 60. So that would, that would be the one thing. It would, I think it would have the effect, Christoph, of strengthening clubs in the middle so that they're no longer a walkover because we can expect Bayern to play out easy wins against the 15th and 16th. But when it comes to the 11th, 9th and 8th, I think those extra 30, 40 million euros that these clubs will have could make could make a difference. It will also help the league internationally because having fewer teams but with more money will help them keep their players. Um, it will help them pay bigger wages. It would help them attract better players from abroad. And this is a side effect. It would create space for either downtime, which is unlikely, I think, uh, the way things are going. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, perhaps with a new League Cup that could create more income for the second and third division. Or perhaps with an extended DFB Pokal with um, semifinals and two legs. Or um, being able to put the Champions League um, on weekends, which again, of course, the league doesn't want, but would help a lot of money, would help make more money for the Champions League for the for the big teams. So I think making the Bundesliga more elite and dynamic and more jeopardous competition where every game matters because there's only 26 of them and it'll be, you know, either fighting for releg against relegation or fighting for, for the Europa League could could help in many ways. But of course, four teams would bite the bullet and there's usually uh, not many sheep voting for the wolves i think that's a terrible <laughs> broken mixed metaphor but you know what i mean it's the turkeys it's the turkeys in the christmas but you know what i mean can i say this rafa as someone from a country where the sheep where the sheep voted for the wolves of brexit um i would like to <laughs> sorry i had to say that um as someone from a country where the sheep have voted for the wolves I actually have a suggestion for the Bundesliga that does that involves making greater jeopardy. I would get rid of the relegation playoff 
because if you look at the fact that the majority of clubs haven't, you know, the majority of clubs basically survived the playoff. I don't know if that's fair because basically that playoff rewards teams that have got firepower but haven't really been doing their job all year. So you look at Verda, Verda should never have been that low down. I would get rid of the relegation playoff and I would basically cut the amount of money that the Bundesliga champions get and I would give that extra money to the newly promoted team. Because if you look at Paderborn, Paderborn were the top goal scorers in the um, Zweite Bundesliga, right? They scored like almost 80 goals, 76 or whatever it was. And they had to sell their two best forwards. So basically Paderborn had all this incredible approach, approach play all year, but no finishers, right? If you do that, if you make that small change that I recommend, you would instantly allow clubs coming up to maintain their firepower. You'd instantly have a more competitive team. And you look at Paderborn, a lot of their games, the really close ones, they played incredible football. They just couldn't finish. So instantly you have a team that's been newly promoted that has the capacity not to win the Bundesliga, but to really hurt the team that might otherwise win. But so that, that's, that's one suggestion. But if you have three teams going down, of course, the chances of them going down are also increased by 50%. I have no problem with that, actually, because they would get parachute payments to come back up. And don't forget that Zweite Bundesliga is an opportunity to grow that league's visibility because it's brilliant. The quality of football in that division, if you go about two thirds of the way down, it's quite a deep league. That's why poor Hamburg are having trouble coming back. That's why Stuttgart had trouble, Stuttgart had trouble because they get down to the Zweite and the quality of the teams is higher than they expected. And I have to say, like, I've been pleasantly surprised by the quality of what I've seen in that second division. That's just a suggestion. But I think that could work. When I look at myself, um, I'm surprised to find that I really enjoy second division football, not only in, in Germany, but also in England. Yeah. Um, because yeah. the competition is so uh, so open. And yes, it's not the biggest stars. It's not, it's not the best football. It's only the second best football. That's the nature of the division. But, but there is something open and fresh and attractive to, to it. And and so so we're coming back to to where we we started from. Yeah, but Christoph, you're a hip, you're a football hipster. <laughs> That's why you're a VfL Bochum fan and Brentford fan. <laughs> but we need more of those. We need more hipsters at the table. I think. I think that's the time to get more of them. Yeah, in. I, I know. I, I um, know that if you say that to 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 the majority of football fans, they look at you and say, hey, why, "Why should I watch the second division if I could can watch the first? That's that's true. And and a lot of people will say, "Why should I?" watch uh, Bochum if I if I can watch uh, Bayern Munich instead because they have the better players and and and, and are more interesting in many respects but apart from that I think it's not only that the the problem is not only that uh, Bayern is always winning it I think we sh shouldn't be so fixated on on Bayern I think uh, what, what we also see is um, that that the league comes in kind of chunks or in little groups and and it has even become difficult to change from one group to the other so there is the 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 top group and then there is a second third fourth and and you can almost uh, say at the start of the season who belongs where and then you have your big surprise like like union berlin 
becoming 11s or uh, Werder Bremen playing a terrible season or Schalke playing a terrible season again. And so, so that's what I meant with the comparison to the second division where, you, where, where things are much more in a flow and, and that makes it, it more interesting. And maybe we, we have to talk about this also, this that there is this kind of rigidness or stiffness in, in, in the table where uh, not many things are changing from, from one year to the other. Yeah, although, I mean... Again, this is there are two sides to this coin. I think too much fluctuation at the table suggests maybe a lack of quality and could, I think, rebound negatively on those teams in uh, in the Champions League. I think when we saw the Bundesliga being more open not that long ago when we had Stuttgart as a champion and Wolfsburg and Bremen and Dortmund and Bayern all in the space of six years, we had the, 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 those open years also coincided with Bundesliga teams being totally uncompetitive in European football. Now, it might have been a coincidence, but of course it's easier to go far in the, in the competition if you have sustained income that you can use to keep your players to buy more, etc., which is why every Champions League year almost leads to another Champions League year. Um, uh, I don't know. Do you know. Can I be honest? Like... 2002, Leverkusen went to the final, Champions League. 2011, Schalke went to the semis. Yeah, like, what happened in the nine years between? Well, this is the thing. We had like, you had a historically great Manchester United team. You had a historically great Barcelona team in 06 and 09. Like, I really worry. Um, there's a thing we say in law, hard cases make bad law. And because Bayern are such a, they're like a unicorn. They're a very well-run club. They've got great recruitment. It's almost like there's a danger of allowing Bayern's brilliance to distort the market. And also like the Champions League is interesting. If you look at that, the Champions League is a tournament, is a real copycat tournament. You can see specific countries have their eras of dominance. And it's really dangerous, I think, to go, oh, okay, that country dominated, we're far behind. Whereas we know that international football goes in cycles. So German football, instead of looking at the Champions League as the kind of bellwether and going, if we're not winning that every few years, we're not competitive. Build strength almost at a kind of Europa League level like Spain did. So your teams are always competitive. Like So build strength and depth. And that way in the long term, does that make sense, Rafa? Is that, is that fair? I mean, first of all, I agree with you that uh, teams in Germany should have done a lot better in Europa League. And there's a question why. And they mm. haven't won it since... When was the last time a team won the UEFA Cup or the Europa League from Germany? Yeah, Schalke, Schalke yeah, 97. Schalke. So it's 23 years, okay? So there is something wrong there because at this level they should compete and we don't know exactly why that is. The issue is, Musa, um, and again, this is something that I discovered in the course of, of writing the article for The Athletic, is that the strength and quality of a league is often perceived by what the two or three or four visible teams do in Europe. And by that, I mean the Champions League. And that might not be fair. That might not be the right way of looking at it. But it is the way, statistically proven, that people look at it. And I think instinctively we know that it's true because whenever somebody writes on Twitter, you know, very casually, oh, you know, Bundesliga is boring. It's always the same team, same team watching. I reply, well, you can watch or not watch the league for whatever reason you want. But please don't tell me it's because... The only reason is because it's not competitive, because France, after Lyon's fall from grace, 
was the most competitive league in Europe of all the top leagues. You had one surprise champion after another for five or six years. Who watched it? Who watched that unbelievably competitive, exciting league? No, no one. No one. And I don't have the figures ready, but I would, I'd be very confident in saying that now that the French League is a non-event in terms of who wins it, more people are watching it than ever before, simply because they will watch PSG and maybe one or two other teams. So it is, it is really tricky because the, the causality, if you will, or the correlation between competitiveness and success of the best teams isn't actually a straightforward one. It's, it's, it's quite a complex equation. It's funny that we're having this conversation because I actually personally believe that Bayern and Dortmund are on the brink of a really exciting run in the European Cup, in the Champions League, sorry. I think those two squads are built up for a really exciting sustained run. So whoever looks at the German league and the Bundesliga will be like, those teams are really strong. And I also think that the chasing pack of Leipzig and Gladbach are so well coached that they're going to be a huge factor. So you could argue that at European Champions League level, the German league is actually really strong over the next five to six years. And I do think that if you improve the quality of coaching and the access, the pipeline of young players from lower leagues to upper leagues, if you do incentivize the promotion of coaches, if you do introduce perhaps some form of maybe even a draft system, which gives preferential treatment to clubs that are lower down the pyramid, for example, all these incremental changes might actually allow Bayern's dominance to be threatened more than it currently is. But I'm just a bit wary of making huge changes that it's difficult to dial back 15 years down the line when everyone goes, we went too far in that direction. That's all I have to say, but thank you. Christoph, any last words? What we see right now in Germany is a lot of club bosses right now and the head of, uh, of the DFL, Christian Seifert, they are thinking hard what to do because during this um, pandemic, I think they saw that something is uh, wrong with football, with, with the Bundesliga, but maybe with football in general, with the business model. And um, so what they want to do is um, uh, to set up a task force uh, that will come in the in August or September to discuss this uh, very deeply over a longer period with a lot of experts. I don't know the format exactly, but um, it shows that there right now is maybe, you can call it the window of opportunity to think about it and maybe to reform things, to change things. And I, I'm really interested what will uh, come out of it. The Bundesliga, I think, in the end is not broken, but it has a, um, a lot of problems that uh, needs to be addressed. And my uh, impression is... Um, that everybody within football knows it. Right. I think that's a good way to end this. We haven't found all the answers, but maybe one or two suggestions. Uh, if you're listening, Christian, I hope it was uh, informative. And for you as well, <laughs> listener, um, thank you very much for your attention. Uh, Starkas will continue throughout this uh, short summer break and we'll catch up with you again soon. Thank you. Hello, I'm James Richardson, host of the Totally Football Show, now part of the Athletics Podcast Network. We're going to be here following all the action as the 2020 football season reaches its belated conclusion. And if you're an Athletics subscriber, you can now hear exclusive ad-free versions of our show on the Athletic app. 
And don't worry, if you're not a subscriber, you can still listen to us for free with the occasional word from our sponsor by searching for The Totally Football Show on Apple, Spotify and all the usual podcast places. The Totally Football Show with me, James Richardson, still totally free and now totally ad-free on The Athletic. 